Hi everyone, this is Intersections in Public Service, the Weldon Cooper Center's podcast created by UVA students and staff that takes a look at pressing issues in our community, how public servants address them, and what you can do to help. I'm your host for this episode, Danielle, and I'm a fourth-year intern on the Cooper Center's media team. Today, I'm here with Hannah Boyles, a summer intern at the Center for Economic and Policy Studies, where she has been working on the Virginia Clean Energy Plan as a part of their intern policy team. For a brief overview, in September of 2019, Virginia's Governor Northam signed Executive Order 43, stating that Virginia has committed to sourcing 30% of its electric sector's energy from renewable sources by 2030 and 100% by 2050. The Virginia Clean Energy Plan was created as a result of Executive Order 43. Its purpose is to ensure that Virginia achieves its goals of carbon-free energy by tracking its progress in relation to the Executive Order's deadlines. In developing this plan, Hannah, as well as other interns and employees, are working on a plethora of assignments, including creating a timeline of goals to keep Virginia on track, methods of tracking the state's progress, and researching viable recommendations to help inform policy. So let's just jump right in. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your position on the policy team? Yeah, um, I'm in the engineering school at UVA, and I'm studying aerospace engineering and planning on minoring in English. And as for my position on the policy team, my position is mostly working on a research project that I've designed with the help of Dr. Artuso. The research will eventually be going to state policymakers and the departments that are responsible for making decisions about the Virginia Clean Energy Plan and how they're going to enact that. I think it will be a bit more of a long-term project, but we're hoping to have some recommendations in the fall. Oh, wow. That's still pretty soon, though. Can you tell me a little bit more about this process? Yeah, basically... We're working on a bunch of different projects over the summer. All the information from those projects is going to come together in order to form our recommendations. Oh, wow. That's really awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited. Could you give me a couple of examples of other projects that interns are working on? We have a bunch of different projects going on. One of the projects that we're working on that I find really interesting is a project on solar siting, basically helping to figure out where a solar project could be placed because there's a lot of different requirements. I'm not familiar with all of them, but things like slope or how far they are from transmission lines affect whether or not a project would be successful. One intern's looking at energy storage, and there's another person looking at electric vehicles, and then someone also looking at community solar and distributed generation. Distributed generation is basically where people can have their own individual, like rooftop solar or things like that. But one of the issues with that is whether they should like pay you for the electricity you generate and things like that. So there's a lot of interesting research going on. How would you describe the clean energy plan to someone who hasn't heard of it before? So for some background, in 2020, the governor of Virginia signed the Virginia Clean Economy Act. The main part of this is establishing a renewable portfolio standard, which states that Dominion has to be 100% carbon free by 2045. And Appalachian Power must provide 100% carbon-free power by 2050. And there are several components of this, which include investing in offshore wind, solar, and distributed generation, as well as investing in energy efficiency programs and resource standards, 
and investing in programs for low and moderate income households. And our project in particular is working on researching how other states have approached this challenge and making recommendations for the state of Virginia on how they can meet these goals that they've set. Oh, wow. That's really important work, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. So following up on that, what's the importance of this project as a whole? Well, as I said earlier, the state is just starting on this journey of transitioning to a renewable electricity grid. So it's important to have a lot of research working on how these goals can be met. Our state is one of the newest to set 100% renewable energy target. So we don't have the planning and infrastructure that some other states already have. So this kind of research and the modeling studies and the dashboards that we're working on are really important in helping to track the state's progress as they're working to like provide motivation and also in figuring out the best way to structure policy in order to achieve these goals. What's the predicted environmental impact once Virginia's energy is 30% from renewable sources in 2030 versus 100% in 2050? In 2017, Virginia emitted roughly 98.5 million metric tons of CO2, and 28.5, so a pretty large amount of that, came from the electric power sector. And at this point right now, roughly 31% of electricity generation is from nuclear, and only about 7% is from renewables. So if by 2030 we do meet this target of 30% of our energy coming from renewables, that would save roughly 13.8 million metric tons of CO2 from entering the atmosphere. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, by 2050, obviously, that would eliminate all of the CO2 emission coming from the electric power sector, which would mitigate 28.5 million tons of CO2. And that's also assuming that like the breakdown of emissions from each sector stays constant. And we're also working on projects to um, enhance electrification of other sectors, for example, with electric vehicles. So if things like that are successful, then the environmental impact can be even greater. Can you talk a little bit more about how this act only targets the electric sector? Well, things like um, transportation, that if it's not an electric vehicle, it's not coming from the electricity grid, obviously. So even if we do, when we make the switch to 100% renewable electricity grid, certain areas like transportation will still be producing CO2. So in order to actually completely be greenhouse gas emission free, all of those sectors need to be targeted. You're absolutely right. It's incredibly important to recognize that there is more than just the electric sector contributing to our CO2 emissions. I know that for me personally, Transportation was never the first thing that popped into my head in response to the phrase clean energy. So when we talked before this interview, you told me that you finished a research project summarizing clean energy initiatives in other states. Could you tell me how Virginia compares in its plan and policies? Yeah. So the project that we are finishing working up on right now is summarizing clean energy policy in other states, as you said. And we just had different interns working on different states with the goal of eventually compiling it all together and producing recommendations for Virginia based on these. And since Virginia is one of the newest states to adopt a 100% renewable portfolio standard, they are a bit behind other states in terms of the programs that are in place, the infrastructure, and the penetration of renewables, since some states have been working on this for quite a long time. But the policies adopted in the Clean Economy Act are as strong as some of the leading states and very ambitious. The only states with more ambitious targets are, for example, California, which requires 50% by 2030 and 100% by 2045, but it's still comparable with the policies of other states. Wow, yeah, that's a pretty incredible timeline there. 
And related to that, were there any findings that surprised you particularly? I think the one thing I was quite surprised by was how much variation there is across states, which makes sense since the U.S. is so big and the geography affects which sort of renewables are most applicable and things like that. For example, like Iowa has a ton of wind energy and New York and Washington both don't have very much wind energy, but a lot of hydropower, which I thought was quite interesting. But I was just surprised to see how big the difference is. Yeah, I definitely would not have known that. You also mentioned that you're in the process of preparing a report about energy efficiency right now. What have you learned so far? Yeah, I'm still in the process of working on that. But one of the main things I've noticed so far is how conflicting viewpoints can be, not just on energy efficiency, but on a lot of topics. Particularly for energy efficiency, most people agree that there are opportunities to reduce energy use, but there's a lot of disagreement about whether or not it's economical or whether it's better to focus on cleaning up the energy grid. So there's definitely a lot of interesting research there. Would you say that there's a particular way that it looks like the state is leaning right now when it comes to that? Or Yeah, I'm researching, but they do have a part in the act which says that they have to start new energy efficiency programs, and it specifies a certain amount of funds that have to go towards low-income energy efficiency programs. So they definitely will be investing in that. But there's a lot of disagreement about what the best way to structure those programs is and things like that. I had not realized it was such a controversial. Yeah, I would have never known. So when they're talking about energy efficiency, what kind of steps would they be taking? What would energy efficiency actually look like? There are a lot of things. Some of the main programs for residential customers, the most common ones are like upgrading your appliances so that they're more energy efficient. and also. This is mostly for low-income households, but in older homes, there's usually a lot of issues with like insulation or the lighting fixtures and things that make it less energy efficient. So it includes things like that that can be done to make your home and everyday life more energy efficient. I would have never known that. Okay, so next up, kind of on a related note, I know that you're also interested in energy equity. Could you explain what that is and why it's an important factor to consider in Virginia's transition to sustainable energy? Yeah, that's a great question. Energy equity is essentially how accessible and affordable energy is across the state. In general, low and moderate income families spend a much larger portion of their household income on electricity and gas costs. So it's important in the Clean Economy Act and in the transition to renewable energy to help alleviate this really high energy burden on low and moderate income households. Virginia in particular has a higher than average electricity burden compared to other states. And for over 75% of the population, it can be unaffordable. So it's really quite an important aspect of this transition to clean energy. Definitely. Yeah, I think that could be really valuable. And so do you think that this efficiency bill where they're actually paying people to update their appliances to become more energy efficient? I've heard you mention older homes, but does this also include like older apartment buildings and other facilities similar? Yeah, they're still obviously not completely sure about how these programs will work. But in other states, there are programs that target multifamily homes and apartment buildings. And even some I've seen that are helping like nonprofit organizations like schools and other like bigger institutions that help low income communities lower their energy costs. So there's a broad range. Yeah, definitely. Let's hope that Virginia hops on that train. So how do you think that the Clean Energy Act will impact people in their everyday lives? There's a few ways, I think. 
One thing is that up until now, it's been quite challenging for people to access renewable energy. Since in Virginia, you're required to purchase electricity from only a few utilities. So there's very limited options. And through the Clean Economy Act, hopefully there will be a lot more renewable options that the utilities will have to provide. So then people can make more educated decisions and make more sustainable decisions when they're purchasing their own electricity in the future. In general, I think it'll make it easier for people to have more sustainable options for their energy use in their everyday lives. And also one of the big focuses of the project is energy equity. So for a lot of people in Virginia, it should make their energy bill more manageable. Wow, this is long overdue and incredibly important work. As a student from Southwest Virginia, I worry about my area and its historical and continuous reliance on the coal industry. And although I recognize the environmental impact of fossil fuels, I can't help but wonder if there's a plan to help offset or maybe track the financial impact in my area and others like it. Yeah, there definitely are a couple of things that have been coming up in our team trying to address that issue. One of the projects I mentioned earlier, the solar siting project, one of their main focuses is also seeing if solar projects could be placed in areas that used to have coal mines because that would bring in jobs and put revenue into that area. So that's something that we're hoping to look at and see if it's viable. Oh, wow. Definitely. Yeah, that's something that I had never heard of. So I'm glad you mentioned it. Mm -hmm. And there's other projects as well that our broader team is looking at. They're also seeing if battery manufacturing capabilities could be put in place in Southwest Virginia, which would have a similar impact of bringing jobs to the area. Definitely. That's also really important. Yeah. And also just in general, there is a big push in the Clean Economy Act for energy justice, which I was talking about earlier. And normally you think of that in terms of urban communities, but it can also help rural Southwest communities in Virginia if it's designed in a way that would target those communities. So that's another way, hopefully. Definitely. I think that all of these things combined hopefully will help. Yeah. And then also a lot of the coal produced in Virginia is not actually energy producing. A lot of it's used in steel production. So that won't necessarily be directly targeted by the Clean Economy Act since it's not in the electricity sector. Do you think Virginia would benefit from a more aggressive timeline like the one suggested in the Green New Deal, which basically suggests a plan for the United States to be fueled 100 percent by renewable energy by 2030? instead of Virginia's plan of 100% clean energy by 2050. Yeah, that's actually been coming up quite a bit in our team meetings. And our data analysis team is currently working on conducting a modeling study. And they will be taking other scenarios like the one you mentioned into account. It is really important to look at different scenarios. But since there hasn't really been extensive modeling in Virginia yet, it's difficult to know how cost effective that would be. It's also possible that it would be more beneficial to focus on the electrification of other sectors rather than trying to move up the target for the electricity sector, since all of those aspects are part of eventually eliminating greenhouse gas emissions. But it's definitely useful to reconsider the targets as we work and see if they can be changed based on our progress. If technology advances more quickly than we expect, then it might make sense to move up certain targets. Yeah, that's definitely really interesting because... Like I was saying earlier, I feel like when you're talking about clean energy, people aren't always like splitting that up into different sectors. I know that's definitely not something I had thought of before I started working on the project. It hadn't occurred to me. Yeah, definitely. So what do you think about grassroots climate activism organizations such as the Sunrise Movement? And what role do you think that could play in Virginia climate policy? 
I definitely think that they could play a useful role in the Virginia climate policy. Clearly, in the past, climate activism has been really successful in influencing policy and led to states passing renewable energy acts and more ambitious targets. And I think now that Virginia has passed this legislation, the activism could be important to keep the pressure on about meeting those targets and make sure that the state's actually sticking to what they had laid out in the Clean Economy Act. What do you think you bring to the conversation as a college student and intern? And why do you think that other young people should take an interest in this project? I think that it's really important for young people to be involved in this because it is going to impact our future. And this is a very long-term plan. It's not until 2050 that we're meeting the 100% clean energy target. And even after that point, there'll still be a lot to be done because the 100% clean electricity target only addresses the electricity sector. So there are still other sources of carbon dioxide and other issues that will need to be solved. And by that point, we'll be adults. So I think it's important that we're involved in this now so that when we are in the position to be making decisions about policy, that we'll be knowledgeable about this. You make a really good point. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so finally, how can listeners at home get involved with the clean energy plan? Yeah, there's a few ways that students specifically can get involved. Students who are interested can define a four-credit independent study project that relates to our Virginia clean energy work. We have someone on the team now. He was a Darden student, and he's working on a project on clean dispatchable power that was recently presented to our group. So that would be an option for a lot of UVA students. And students can also choose a clean energy topic for a class paper or for projects to learn more and get involved. One of our interns actually The way that she got involved with this project was because she had written a school report on energy storage. And when she found out about this, that's how she decided to apply and is now drawing on the research she's already done. So that's really cool. So have you thought about any way that maybe non-students can also get involved? No, there are a couple more indirect ways that people can get involved just in general by showing support for the project and for the Clean Economy Act which can include voting for candidates who support strong renewable energy policy and also voting with your dollar by choosing clean energy options for their own homes. If you're buying a new appliance, like a refrigerator or something, paying attention to which option is more energy efficient and if that's a viable option for you and things like that, or by informing yourself about where your energy is coming from and by adopting energy efficiency measures, just managing your own personal energy use. Those are all ways that people can indirectly support what we're working on. Okay, yeah, these all sound like good suggestions. I'm so happy. I learned a lot during this, and I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come and talk to me about this. Thank you so much. That's great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to Intersections in Public Service. This episode was made in partnership with the Center for Economic and Policy Studies from the University of Virginia. Stay up to date with their newest research and articles by visiting their page, ceps.coopercenter.org, for more updates. If you're a fellow UVA student who's inspired by this episode and would like to make a difference, consider writing your next research paper on clean energy in Virginia or even volunteering or interning at the Center for Economic and Policy Studies. As Hannah said earlier about why it's important that college students get involved with climate change policy now, when we're in the position to be making decisions about policy, we'll be knowledgeable about this. Remember, anyone can be a public servant.